1: One of the hardest things about finding out that your partner has had an affair is the shame and embarrassment talking about it because it makes you feel like you did something wrong, that somehow you weren't good enough and that you didn't keep them happy. And there's such a misperception in the world around what affairs are like and what it means when somebody has had an affair. That's why I have created a monthly support group for women who have been betrayed by their partner. It's for women who are really ready to move through the grief and the pain in a healthful way so they can claim what's possible for them on the other side of infidelity and betrayal as quickly and as healthfully as possible. And part of that is having community, having community with people who were positive. There are so many online support groups where everybody's just really negative and grouchy and they just vent their own pain and they vomit their pain all over you. And this group is nothing like this. This group is honest. Yes, we're honest. But it's also about support and community and holding each other and building each other up. If this sounds like something that you would be interested in, go to www.com flourish after infidelity and sign up. When you sign up, you'll immediately get the Zoom link to our next meeting, and then you will be in the loop and you will know when each monthly meeting is about to occur. I really look forward to having you there, to building this community of strong women together. And once again, it's www.flourishafterinfidelity.com com, and we'll see you at our next meeting. Hello, and welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, and today we are going to talk about reclaiming your life and your identity after experiencing the trauma of betrayal. Now, you might be thinking what does it actually mean to reclaim your life and to reclaim your identity? I don't know what that means. And if that's what you're thinking, you are not alone. Because those are phrases that so often we hear, you know, get yourself back, reclaim your life. And then when you really start breaking it down, does anybody really know (laughs) what it means? What it really means is getting back to having yourself as your barometer. What it really means is trusting yourself, your intuition, your ability to research, your ability to ask for help and to synthesize knowledge and information so you can make a decision that is best for you. What reclaiming yourself is really all about is just getting back to that place of self-trust and self-belief and validation so you don't have to go to somebody else for validation. Now, I want to say that it feels good to be seen, and known and recognized and appreciated and loved by others. That absolutely feels amazing and it's good to have. And my deepest wish is for all of us to have that in our lives. But the truth of the matter is, all too often, we spend most of our energy, most of our time and most of our resources seeking to please other people, conform to their idea about what we should do or be or think, or just conforming to stereotypical societal norms that, you know, what not to wear after 40 and things like that. And we spend all of our time and energy and resources performing living out our identity as somebody that we're not. And we do that so other people will see us and will validate us and will give us that love and that acceptance. And like I said, it feels really good to be seen and known and loved and validated from other people. And that's my deepest wish is that you can get that. And at the same time, My even deeper wish, my mission in life is to help you and women everywhere be so clear on who they are and be so comfortable in showing themselves authentically as who they are, not as who they think they should be, that even though it's nice to get validated from others, we don't have to have that that we are not spending all of that time and money and energy and resources being what we're not just in order to get approval, that we know how to validate ourselves, that we are so clear on our own intuition and our own gut check and our own desires and passions and beliefs that we can hold space for others But we can also just comfortably be who we are. I don't know if all of you listeners know this or not, but not only do I coach women who have experienced infidelity and betrayal, not only do I help coach them and help them move through that heartbreak and that grief and that pain to find their identity and their self-worth again, so they can go forward and create a life that they love on their own terms but i also teach and speak and train on the corporate level and what i teach and speak and train on the corporate level about is burnout and interestingly my whole my whole spiel my whole talk my whole work is on Reframing burnout as betrayal. And even the title of my speech is called It's Not Burnout. It's Betrayal, a New Paradigm for Engagement and Well-Being. And that folk, the focus of that whole talk, is on understanding all of the ways that we feel betrayed at work. We feel betrayed by the by the patriarchy. We feel betrayed too often when we don't get promoted or get the raises that we think we deserve. And it's really curious to me because the five-step betrayal recovery process that I use, the five steps of flaunt, are equally applicable in the corporate burnout space as they are in the infidelity space because it's all burnout and it's all betrayal and it's all the same thing which is, as you peel back layers, that we've betrayed ourselves, that we have spent so much time seeking to please, conform, and perform for others that we have completely lost touch with who we are and what we want. And then even when we finally figure out or are brave enough to admit who we are and what we want, we have a hard time showing ourselves authentically. So, when you hear people say, like, take back your life, you know, find yourself again, reclaim yourself after um, infidelity or betrayal, that's, that's what this is. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about reclaiming trust in yourself. I'm talking about having your own back. I'm talking about no longer betraying yourself by putting up and shutting up, by smiling through the tears, by serving everybody first, and then only having scraps for yourself afterwards. And the thing is, experiencing a betrayal brings this to light. It brings to light that you've lost touch with yourself. It brings to light, you know, all the ways that you haven't put on your own oxygen mask first. It it brings to light all of these behaviors that you, that I, that we as women have spent a lifetime doing. And it's not that you need to be, tra- be betrayed in order to reclaim your identity, in order to take back your life. You can do it at any point in time. It's just that it does take self-reflection and insight and learning new skills and new tools and then practicing those new skills and those new tools even in different times so you create a different and more authentic version of yourself. And then so you can express that different and more authentic version of yourself to other people, and then they will have the time, you know, to readjust and to evolve. And and you will go through a period of setting new boundaries and maybe ticking some people off because they're used to you being a doormat and suddenly you're not. And it's a process. And yes, you can do it at any time, But I truly believe that the best time to do it is after some sort of betrayal. And that's because a betrayal really cuts to the core of who you are and what you were worth. And it makes you suddenly come apart. People I work with are always saying, I feel so broken. I'm completely broken. And yes, I felt broken too. I was broken. And not to sugarcoat things, because there is so much grief and pain and unfairness around that, but when you are broken, it does give you the opportunity to rebuild. When you are broken, it gives you the opportunity to rebuild yourself in your life in a way that is truly authentic and sustainable for you going forward and what a gift that truly is so now that you kind of understand now that we're on the same page we have the same kind of definition of, of what it means to take back your life to rebuild yourself and reclaim your identity After betrayal, let's move on with some of those tips that I talked about, with some of that self-reflection that I talked about, with some of that need to practice that I talked about. The very first thing that you need to do in order to take back your identity and your life after infidelity and betrayal is stop pause, go within, and really take time to self-reflect. And you might be saying, okay, Laura, I, whatever. But what I mean by that is truly pause and stop. Take an afternoon for yourself. Not an afternoon where you are throwing in laundry and sorting through mail, but truly take an afternoon with no phone. Go somewhere, if if that's available to you. Sit at a lake. Walk up and down a mountain. Spend time in a park. Unplug from people, from technology. And just have no agenda. And allow yourself to sit in silence. Silence, for most of us, is such a threatening, uncomfortable place. But it's also the place where so much magic happens. And in that place of silence, just allow yourself to be. It's not like initially you have to be like, I am self-reflecting. Just allow yourself to be and to stop. Feel the rise and fall of the tension in your body, in your mind. Feel the anxiety. Feel the need to like grab your phone and start scrolling. Feel all of that come up. And just let it go. Because what's coming up when you feel that way is, again, the need to please. I should be doing something with my time. I should be returning calls. I should be putting in laundry. I should be planning the next move, the next career move, the next personal move. I should be taking care of this for my kids. I should. I should. I should at least be working out. It's breaking out of that need to conform that we don't do this, that as productive adults, we don't take mental health days. We just work, we push through, we persevere. We are efficient. Break out. Don't conform to that standard anymore. That's not a healthy, sustainable way of life. And then performing. Being by yourself, on your own, away from everybody else, means that you don't have to perform. And let me tell you, we all perform. To one degree or another, we all perform. By performing, I mean putting on the happy face and greeting our neighbor pleasantly, even though we're in the middle of something. Now, I know you might be thinking, okay, what's wrong with that, Laura? On its face, there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's polite, it's normal, it's nice. Not everybody deserves or needs all of our stuff in all of the moment that it's happening. Where it becomes problematic is when we perform for everybody all day long. We put on the happy face and we greet our neighbor when we're outside in the morning. And then we go to work and we pretend that whatever it is, that we don't have a headache, that we're not worried about something else. We pretend all day long with clients, with coworkers, with ourselves. Then we come home, and again, then we pretend for our kids or for our partners or for our families. And we never allow ourselves to drop. We never drop the different persona. We never drop the different masks that we're wearing. We're always performing for somebody. I've got that. I can do that. I have it. No worries. Let me do that. And even sometimes when we don't have it, it's not an authentic place that we land. It's the different mask. We switch out the hero mask for the victim mask instead of being like, I've got it, and this is all great, we'll think, okay, I'm I'm hitting burnout, I can't do anymore. So then we slap on this victim mask. You wouldn't believe what just happened. I'm going through this horrible stuff in my personal life, and my spouse left me, and I've been cheated on, and I have no money, blah, 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 blah. And I have a headache, and I've gained 10 pounds. And we trade that hero mask in for a victim mask. And the thing is, okay, you might be saying, so why isn't that authentic? Maybe some of it is, but a lot of it isn't. Because typically that place of authenticity is somewhere between those two masks. You're not the hero who can do it all. And you're also not the victim. And it's really hard. It's really hard to find an authentic place. It's really hard to know just how to be when you're not trying to be somebody else, when you're not trying to explain your situation. And I think that's the biggest difference when you're in a, in a place of authenticity. You're not having to explain things. You're not explaining why things aren't working out for well, you very well. You're not explaining why you've gained weight or seem disengaged at work. You're not explaining. You just are. And you're not caring about putting on a happy face to make somebody else feel good. And you're also not caring about showing up with a depressed face because you want people to understand how sad you are. You're just showing up as you are. And when you're by yourself and you're disengaged, that's really that place of authenticity. And that's part of the reason, too, that. It feels uncomfortable because we're always used to being someone. In my book, Flaunt, Drop Your Cover and Reveal Your Smart, Sexy, and Spiritual Self, I talk a lot about the labels, roles, and scripts that we all live by. We've all been labeled from babyhood on. Oh, she was an easy baby. He fussed all the time. She did this. He did that. We are labeled. She's my smart one. She's the organized one. He's the funny one. She's the whatever. We have been labeled our whole lives. And what's really frustrating, and I know that you know this, is sometimes we we seek to match our label, even though we are not what our label is. We will seek to match that label because it's been told to us for so long that we're like, okay, that must be me. I must be a screw-up. I've been told I'm a screw-up forever, so I must be a screw-up. And we seek to match that level. How, How are you labeled in your relationship? How are you labeled by your partner? There's a lot of gaslighting and manipulation that goes on when somebody is having an affair and they're seeking to keep you off base because by keeping you off base, it keeps them protected. So like me, you may have been labeled by your partner. And also, like me, you may have internalized some of those labels. You're always so unhappy. You are so mean to me. You never understand what I'm going through. You are such a bad person. Are you cheating on me? It seemed like you were flirting. What are you trying? What are you going for? These are the kinds of things that I hear so often from the women that I work with, that their partners, their husbands, turn it around and all of a sudden start attacking them. You slut. I can't believe you did that. And then they internalize it. Oh my gosh, I must really be acting crazy. I must be the one who's having a midlife crisis. I'm not seeing this in myself. God, I really must be depressed. Am I nagging all the time? Wow, I thought I was just asking for what I wanted and leaning into the partnership, but maybe I am nagging. Oh my gosh, maybe I am that woman. And we start internalizing those labels and we start then performing to meet those labels or performing to defend those labels. If your husband thinks You are having questionable, flirty behavior. What are you going to do? You're probably going to lean out from that. You might start dressing differently than you normally do. You might start being less talkative and friendly than you normally are because you're trying to perform to meet his standard of the label that he threw on you that really has nothing to do with you, but has everything to do with him hiding his indiscretions. But then all of a sudden, you start acting different. Same thing. Like, one of the accusations I hear a lot is, you just weren't interested in me. You're not validating me. You're not interested in me anymore. You are just such a witch. You're just not interested. You're not the same. So our natural response is to start performing around that. Okay, you've asked. I'm committed to this marriage. I will answer. I will, instead of being tired and crashing on the couch, which is what I really want to do, I'll spark myself up. I'll feign some enthusiasm. I'll create interest. I'll do this for you. I'll start getting up early. I'll start doing whatever it is that you want because I want to please you. I'm pleasing you. I'm conforming to how you are telling me you want me to be, and I'm performing. I'm not just being your partner or being your wife or being a caring human. Now I'm performing. Now I'm validating you. Now I'm giving you accolades. Now I'm leaning into your whatever it is. Now I'm dressing differently. And then over time, we, we lose touch with who we are. Because we have sought to please, conform, and perform for our partner, who is gaslighting us and manipulating us to try to throw us off the scent of what they're doing. For so many people, myself included, some of it even goes back to before the affair. To our conditioning to be good little girls. I talk about the labels, the roles, and the scripts. We talked about the labels. Now, this is more the role. What does it mean to be a good woman? What does it mean to be a good wife? What does it mean to be a good, committed partner? Those are questions that we rarely ask ourselves, and we rarely sit down with our partner and dissect. I don't know about you, but... I didn't think too much about what it meant to be a good husband or wife or a good partner or a good girlfriend or boyfriend. I didn't think about it in my own terms and figure out what I wanted. I thought about it in terms of media, (laughs) movies that I had watched, TV shows, books that I had read, stories about what the dedicated partner does, about what it means to be in a relationship. And without even realizing it, I had taken a lot of that to heart. And my husband had too. And your partner has too. He or she has their own set of preconceived notions about what it means to be a man, to be a woman, to be in partnership, to be worthy. And very few of us sit down and compare notes and find out if we are even close to being on the same page or not. And then we do a lot of relationship work. Love languages, five love languages, great stuff. How to get the love you want, amazing stuff. Um, you know, Harville Hendrix, uh, the Imago dialogue, conscious communication. Like there's all of this really, really good stuff out there, and there's these really great tools. And then we use these tools. And here's what's really interesting and the kicker about how how those tools used consciously can create a world of difference, but those tools not used consciously can actually do more harm than good more often than not. And here's why. Both people in the partnership need to be invested, Both people in the partnership, yes, need to understand what the other person needs and wants and expects and desires, and they do need to meet the other person's needs within reason. Within a balanced partnership, yes, you are both meeting each other's needs, but it works because, first and foremost, you are meeting your own And what's frustrating about that is in order to meet your own needs, you have to be very clear about what those needs and desires are. And then you have to be very clear about what it takes to get those needs and desires met. And then you have to have this conscious discussion with your partner about what you would like them to do to meet those needs. And then here's the other kicker too. We all have agency and free will and we all get to say yes or no. Yes, I can absolutely give you words of affirmation. Yes, I can absolutely bring you gifts. Yes, I can absolutely use physical touch or whatever it is. I'm just using the five languages of love as an example. But we also get to say, I am sorry that physical touch is your number one. I am not comfortable with physical touch, and that is not something that I can give. And then we have to figure out what that means. Because what that means maybe is this relationship really can't go forward because we are too different and we just can't meet each other's deepest needs. Or it might mean this is what I can do and this is what I can't do and this is how we're going to balance that and that it's nothing personal. I have got a client. The reason I use that example is I am working with a client who has a history of some sexual abuse trauma, and although they have been married for years, and she has worked through a lot of it, a lot of it, there is still a trauma response in her body, and there are certain things she just can't handle, and one of those things is just too much physical touch, especially. Now, because she's got two kids who are also touching and pulling on her body all the time, and it's just somewhere she can't go right now. And yes, physical touch is her partner's number one love language, and she would love to be able to provide it, but she can't. And if she does, it's at her own detriment, and then the resentment grows and the bitterness grows, and that's not healthy either. So they are having conscious conversations because they know each other really well. He knows very clearly that he needs that. She needs, knows very clearly what her boundaries are and that she needs time away from touch. And they're working on it together and they are coming up with solutions because they're both conscious and they're not taking it personally. And most importantly, they're avoiding labeling each other. He's not calling her frigid which he used to do, which was one of the things that spiraled into the affair and the infidelity and all that stuff. Because he, instead of seeking to understand what she was going through, he just labeled her. He put that label on her that she is cold, that she is frigid, that she is not interested in me. And then he internalized it, that he cannot satisfy her, that he is not a good partner and that he is not worthy. And then he went out and, sought a connection in an affair. And as they're starting to understand this, he's realizing it has nothing to do with him, that his label of her was completely off and that he made a really big mistake and that he's got a lot of work rectifying this situation. And on her side, she couldn't believe she had labeled him as like hypersexual and gross and totally needy. She labeled him as somebody who just could not even, she called him her third child. That's not healthy. And then she started pushing away from him more and she started kind of being disgusted by him and telling him he was disgusting. And the marriage broke down based on incorrect labeling, based on following somebody else's script that, A woman should do this, and a man should do this, and this is the way marriage looks. So when you're reclaiming yourself, you're doing it for yourself. So when you're sitting that full day, if you've got it, or that half day, on your own, you're not performing. You're just being. Spend that whole day, that whole half day, just allowing yourself to be. And as you allow yourself to be, think a little bit about these labels, these rules, these scripts that you have been following, and see if they fit you now. You might want to explore a little bit where they came from. They came from my church. They came from Disney. (laughs) They came from the romantic comedies that I used to watch. Where did they come from? They came from my culture. Where do they come from? And do they feel good to you? Does it feel like you? And just let yourself drop in and be without pressure. This is not about solving problems. This is about getting curious. Think about your life. The past however many years when was the last time you were really happy? When was the last time you really felt like yourself? One question I ask my coaching clients all the time is, when was the last time you really got lost in play? Think back to when you were a child. I don't care if you were... Playing a sport, playing with toys, running around outside. But do you remember that feeling of just being lost? You weren't aware of time. You were just playing. You weren't thinking about deadlines. You weren't thinking about, ooh, can this double as exercise? You weren't thinking about how you looked. When you ran and jumped and swam or played, you weren't worried about resting bitch face as you sat there playing dolls. You were just involved in your heart, in your head. You were in a place of flow. You were in a place of play and flow and divine connection. When was the last time you had that? And even deeper, when was the last time you had that consistently? Because really living an authentic life, really being, being who you are, you will live in that place of flow more often than not. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to be stressed and busy and all that stuff. But what I am saying is that is the natural space. That is your natural brainwave state. And it's a place that you'll return to. Where you're not worried. You're not overthinking. You're not performing. You were just being. And that is your gold standard of what to return to. So the next step after you've spent a half day or a full day Disconnected from technology, alone, not performing. Just pondering, just letting your mind answer some of the questions. The next step is starting to reveal who you are, starting to reveal yourself without a mask starting to just be and to allow other people to see you as you are. Now, for some people, a way to start is by showing up without makeup or without your hair done or in some way that feels a little more natural to you. And it can be as simple as taking a walk in your neighborhood or going to the grocery store. And notice if that feels threatening to you. Maybe you don't wear makeup or do your hair or anything and you're like, no problem, that's my everyday self. But this is just an activity to experiment about revealing yourself a little more. So if you, like me, typically do wear makeup, try to show up without it. If you typically wear glasses or wear contacts and are a little self-conscious in glasses, try wearing your glasses to go get gas or to do something like that. It's just showing yourself in little tiny baby steps a little bit more authentically, a little bit more as you are, and less as you want to be. It can be not wearing Spanx under a dress and just allowing your body to look the way it looks without support. It can be saying no to something that you would normally say yes to because you feel obligated. Think about that person in your life that you see or talk to, but that you really don't want to see or talk to. That person that drains you instead of nourishes you and fills you up. Right now, I want you to imagine, visualize, or pretend that you don't pick up their call that they're calling or texting and that you don't pick up or that you shoot a quick text back that says something like, now is not a good time. I'll catch you this weekend. Or see yourself in somebody's presence. And as the conversation starts devolving into all of the stuff that makes you crazy, that you do put up a boundary and say, this is not something that I want to talk about today. We need to change the subject or I will leave. Little things like that that are just showing your heart. Telling somebody, I can't take that right, I can't take that on right now. What I can do is X, Y, and Z, but I can't take on what you are asking me to take on. And what can we do to make it work for both of us? Because here's where I'm at with things. That's that next step of just revealing. And do it, do it in small increments, do it in small stages and steps. Just speak your truth whenever it comes up. Here's a big one, and it's one of my favorite ones. Before you answer, before you respond, check in with your gut, put your hand on your solar plexus, put your other hand on your heart, and just take a breath or two and feel for the answer. Somebody might just be asking you to go out for dinner, or for drinks, and if it's a full body yes, there's no worries. But if you're in that place where I get to, where it's like, oh, I should be doing this and I want to be doing this, but God, maybe I should see them because it's it has it's been a long time and maybe it would be a really good break. Yeah, but is that going to stress me out more because then I'm going to have other things to do and uh, then I have to explain. Stop. Hand on the solar plexus, hand on the heart, couple breaths. What does my intuition say? Does my intuition say rest? Does my intuition say, you know what? need to challenge myself and go and then as part of revealing yourself I want you to start using the language of my gut says no or my intuition is and start speaking it because that is your truth our guts never lead us astray they just don't And yes, you might be saying, "Uh uh-uh, I had no idea my partner was cheating. Okay, I didn't either. And yet still, there were things that looking back, I know I intentionally danced around. I know I intentionally didn't address. I know I intentionally ignored. So did I know? No, I was completely blindsided. And yet... There was that little feeling, that little niggling piece inside me that on several occasions did wonder what's really going on. And it's my hunch that it's a similar thing for you because our intuition is never wrong. So that after you have started recognizing How you're pleasing, how you're conforming, how you're performing, how you're living up to your labels, roles, and scripts. Once you have started then, step two, revealing yourself. Reconnecting to your intuition. Taking the time to make decisions. Showing yourself as you are. Not performing, but just being. The third and the final step is to practice that. It's to practice living from that place of authenticity, to practice being aware of I am putting on my professional mask right now and I'm showing up at work as the competent, capable adult that I am. And then taking that mask off when you get home. Because the thing is, we do want to be authentic with our partners. We want to be authentic with ourselves. And taking our life back, taking our identity back, requires that we understand when we're wearing a mask. You can put on the parent mask when you go to conferences. You can put on the parent mask when you're interacting with your kids. You can put on those different masks. It's even okay to play the victim. It's sometimes a natural part, not sometimes, it is a natural part of moving through the trauma but just recognize it as yet another mask. And as you practice, as you get back in touch with being and feeling and asking your own body by putting your hand on your solar plexus and putting your hand on your heart and asking your body, what do you want? What would fill you up right now? What would you need? If you could ask for anything, what would it be? If you could have anything, what would it be? If you could do anything right now to make yourself feel really good, what would it be? The more you practice living like that, the more you're reclaiming your life. The more you're taking back yourself and your identity what are some of the things, going back to play, what are some of the things that you did as a kid that brought you joy? How can you do that now? There's adult coloring books. There are meetup groups for games. There's meetup groups for hiking. There are clubs. There are pickleball and adult team sports. There's dance classes of all kinds for people of all ages. You can even go to the toy store and buy yourself a science kit and play with it. One of the activities in my book is a field trip to a toy store. And what I ask you to do is to go to the toy store and start playing with the toys to open what you can open and touch it and smell it. And cuddle it. And then to take it one step further by imagining how would you play with this? Grab your whatever it is Playmobil set or Polly Pocket doll and imagine playing with it. Because I want you to feel a little awkward and uncomfortable. Because I want you to move out of the shoulds and start reclaiming your identity and taking back your life by reconnecting to the things that bring you joy. And then from there, start getting curious in your life. Do you want to go to the theater? Do you want to do restaurants? Do you want to travel? What have you stopped doing because your spouse didn't like it? Next weekend, I'm going to a football game with my husband. I don't like football. He likes football. He has quit going to football because he doesn't have anybody to go with that likes it. But I said I'd go because I recognize that it'll be fun for him. So it's not that I'm being inauthentic to me. I am not claiming my identity now as a football fan. I'm not. But I'm allowing him to indulge in his passion and I'm supporting him because I recognize it's going to be fun and The day before we go to the football game, we're going to a Katy Perry concert for me. Because I haven't gone to as many concerts as I would like to go to. And he hasn't gone to as many football games as he would like to go to. And while, yes, we each have friends that we can go with, sometimes it's really nice to support each other by doing what the other person likes. Which goes back to like all of those marital tools. I'm giving it because it's from my heart, because it's my intuition saying, this is going to mean a lot to him. Laura, this is going to mean a lot to him. Put on your happy face mask because you're in a place of service and joyful giving. You're not in a place of, I have to do this because this is what good wives do and he expects it and I'm going to bitch the whole time and I'm going to show him how much fun I'm not having and then I'm going to ruin his day too. I'm not the martyr. I am gifting him my joyful presence at a game because I'm curious. And he will be gifting me his joyful presence at a concert because he's curious and because we're both excited about doing it for the other person from our place of authenticity. I am not put upon. He is not put upon. We are not martyring ourselves to do this. I am saying, this is authentically me. And he's saying, this is authentically me. And I'm saying in my heart, this is what I want. And I'll do it on my own. That's fine too, but I'd really love it if you went with me. And he did the same. I'm going to go to this game and I'm happy to go by myself, but it'd be really fun if you came too. That's taking back your power. That's taking back your life. That's knowing yourself and showing yourself. That is flowing. That's flowing in that give and that take. Because life is not all about us and everything that we want. And that's a misnomer too. In so many different affair recovery programs, I see things about like, rah, rah, power yourself up. Bam, high fives. It's all about you. You assert yourself. You go, girl. You go. You take it for all he's worth. Well, oh my God, that doesn't feel good either. And that's not life. And if we were all out there just totally showing ourselves as we are authentically in every single moment and doing everything that we wanted, nothing would ever really get done. But it's that awareness of, yes, I'm putting on my professional demeanor and I'm showing up maybe a little bit more conservatively or quiet at work. And now I'm out with my girlfriends and I am putting on my little bit of a party girl mask and I'm laughing and I'm joking and I'm I'm wearing a little sexier outfit. And now I put on my parenting mask and I'm a little more modified and toned down and I'm a little more wise and I'm a little more boundary. But it's about knowing who you are without any of those labels or masks. It's about the give and the get and how can we serve somebody because we care about them and because we want to. We serve our kids because we care about them and we want to. Quite often, watching toddler TV is not mentally stimulating to us or going to a kid movie. Sometimes it is, but sometimes we just do it because we know it's meaningful to them and we want to see their reaction. I took my sons both to see Barney the dinosaur alive. I wanted to see their reaction. I wanted to be there to see them because I loved them and I wanted to share in their joy. That's what taking yourself back is all about. It's the awareness of who you are and what you want. And that can mean being a giving person. Because that's another thing that I hear so often. People are like, but I'm a good person. I'm a kind person. It makes me happy to make other people happy you within reason. Yes, it makes us happy to make other people happy when we are aware that we are doing it as a gift and that we're not feeling like a martyr and that we're not playing the role because this is what good wives do. So my challenge to you going forward is to take that day, that half day, and to just be, to stop pleasing conforming or performing, and just to take the time to let your mind wander, to sit in the uncomfortableness of not knowing. To ponder those deep questions that don't have answers, just to let them come up for a whole day, for a whole half day. And then step two, to practice revealing yourself a little bit more authentically. To just show up. To just be. If you feel like you're forcing a smile. Don't. If you feel like you want to leave early. Just say. I'm going to leave early. I need the time alone. This past weekend. I was at a conference. That was not filling me up. And I had paid for it. And I had committed to it. And I left early. And I felt so much guilt and shame. And I fought with myself. Should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I? But it wasn't bringing me anything. And I just wanted to be home and I wanted to rest. I've been going strong lately and I needed to rest. And I did. And that's being authentic. That's taking back your life. That's taking back your identity. I was able to tell people it's just not where I want to be right now. I'm not over-explaining. Don't over-explain things hand on your heart, hand on your solar plexus, breathe. What do you want right now? What do you want right now? Right now, wherever you're at, unless you're driving, (laughs) put a hand on your stomach and or your solar plexus and just breathe and just ask yourself, what do I want right now? Where do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? And yes, you might not be able to do that. You might be at work. You might be with kids or whatever. But just have that awareness. That's taking back your life. I want to rest. I want to call someone. I want to take a walk. I want to get outside. I want some water. Ask yourself that. Recognize, release, reveal, and then just practice. Practice connecting to your truth, your intuition, your heart. And that's what it means to take back your life. To take back all the things you found pleasurable and fun for you. You know what I'd really love? I'd love to get some lists of things going that are those kind of crazy wonky things that you just want that you just love, that you just want to do because. So email me, reach out, whether it's on social media or my email, laura at lauracheetle.com. And just tell me what some of those wants are when you put your hand on your solar plexus and heart. What comes up for you? And let's just put together a big list of those and let's laugh and let's enjoy really seeing each other. Let's enjoy really revealing ourselves as we are. And let's enjoy and support each other in taking back our lives and our joy and our authenticity and our identity right now. Thank you for spending this time with me. Have an incredible week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough this podcast is sponsored by better help have you been struggling lately relationship issues impact every area of your life when i found out about my husband's infidelity i was so devastated i could barely function Sleeping was impossible because I couldn't shut off my brain. Eating was a challenge because I felt nauseous all the time. And for the first month or so, everything felt pointless. Whether you're having trouble sleeping, feeling hopeless, or just can't focus, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you can talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that might not be available in your area. Just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you'll be matched with a therapist in under 24 hours. Then you can schedule secure video and phone sessions, Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. I know that confidentiality was important for me, especially early on when I couldn't even get my own mind wrapped around what was happening. And it was so comforting to be able to speak with someone candidly about everything I was going through to validate that what I was feeling and experiencing was completely normal. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to flaunt, create a life you love after, infidelity and betrayal listeners. You get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash flaunt. That's BetterHelp.com slash flaunt. Flaunt. F-L-A-U-N-T. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast.